This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming, but New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance, run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Go, My Favorite Sports Team. Tyler Scheid here, your resident sport enthusiast with a master's degree in sport administration. I have been a sports participant, a sports fan, and studied sport my entire life. However, my good friend Mark has an experience that is quite the opposite. Yeah, I don't do that. I I know about sports. Actually, it's weird. I'm a little more knowledgeable about sports than I have been because some of the things that you've said have actually stuck with me. I have not watched sports ever since. I don't find myself going and watching a game nowadays. I don't even know what's happening. But it is interesting. It's sticking. I have some room left up in this brain here. That's good. It's important to constantly learn because rules do change in sports and a lot of different things happen in sports as even myself, who's a highly knowledgeable person, Mm -hmm. has to consume to be able to stay up to date. Yeah, rules change in life as well. Yes, they do. They're called laws. Laws. They're passing them today. Are they? What? Oh, yes. (laughs) All the laws get changed today, and I didn't know about it. Well, today, I wanted to bring up an interesting topic, because you're familiar with college sports, and you're familiar with coaching, and how coaching can affect players and sports. And Depends on what you mean by familiar. I mean, we both were in wrestling, and we had coach changes When we were wrestling. Sure, sure. So obviously the program kind of revolves around that coach and everything along those lines. Mm, So usually when we get to this time of year, high profile coaches often end up switching schools. Mm -hmm. And the most interesting part about this, and the reason I want to have this discussion with you today is because this is a massive deal because those coaches are involved in recruiting to come to colleges. Uh So they're recruiting athletes. And the majority of athletes come to a school not necessarily because of the school themselves. They come there because of the program, because of the education systems and the foundation that the coach generally has in place and the reputation uh-huh. and how that could potentially lead to them being successful and having opportunities to possibly get to the next level uh-huh. to professional ranks to the nfl to the nba to whatever how many total are there how many total teams yeah thousands thousands it's over a thousand Th- over a thousand in division one football yeah what this is college right correct there's three divisions but in Division One, there's over a thousand teams. How? How many colleges are in, in the United States, Mark? How many I don't know. Exist? Why would I know that? In Ohio, there's UC, uh, Ohio University, Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know. Do they have one? Miami? 
Do they Wright have a football State, team? Dayton, Ohio State, uh, Wilmington College, University of Cincinnati, Ohio University, Miami University, Ohio. Yeah, there's, there's okay. A there, lot. So for there to be over a thousand, that means there's fifty states. Correct. In the un- <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank you. You're uh, welcome. I good geography. So for there to be a thousand, there has to be twenty teams per state minimum. And I don't think Alaska's pulling a lot of states in football or pull football football. I. Football. I honestly don't know if they have a Division One school up there. I don't think they do. Exactly. So it's 49 states. So that means that each one needs to have amount of teams <laughs> per state. <laughs> You're not telling me that there's an amount of football teams per state. Yes. Okay? And that's just Division One. That's just Division One. What about one? two and three? I don't know the exact numbers, but Division Two and Division Three have a significant amount. I played in Division Three and Division One in grad school. Okay. I just Googled how many colleges are in the. Thousand three hundred, and that changes every day because some close down, some open up. Do you know how many high schools and just football? Yeah, just football. I want to say probably close to like 21,000. 21,000 because you're talking districts, multiple states. Oh man, he's good, guys. There's about 26,000 total high schools, so not all of them have football, football teams. Correct. I bet. Damn, he's good, guys. That master's degree was well done. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, that's mind-boggling that's 400 ish football teams per state in just high school yeah that's so many teams that's so many football players how many nfl teams are there 32 good god the chance of you going from high school football to the nfl do you have a percentage of that it's less than like one percent that's the making of a champion right there that's rising above that's beating the odds This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming, but New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance, run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know, all those subscription websites, they just hide those charges from you. They're hidden and repetitive and you forget about them. Oh, I know exactly which websites you're talking about. The ones that you like to go to. You do? I've literally spent so long digging through my finances. Rocket Money can help cancel your subscriptions. You're saying Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow grow your savings? Absolutely, yes. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses? Uh-huh, yeah. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for me? Up to 20%? Maybe. But for our listeners, definitely yes. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash sportsteam. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-A-M. That's rocketmoney.com slash sports team okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai 
There's joy in every journey. So really interesting topic that happens a lot in sports this time of year is you get a high profile coach who's done all the recruiting already for yeah, the school. Sure. Suddenly gets a job offer elsewhere and leaves to go there. Uh-huh. And this has a massive impact on both the athletes that are already there that went there because that coach and the athletes that are coming in. Okay, so the topic of conversation today is about coaches and how they, as a human being, making choices for their own career can affect the lives of the players who trusted them. And maybe they came and convinced them to go to a certain school or something like that, or they Correct. went there because of that one coach, and then they're not there anymore. Yeah. Right? Okay. It's, it's kind of like creates this gap. You know, where the students that were already recruited there and are participating there, all of a sudden the coach leaves. It's like being abandoned. Like it can really feel like you're being abandoned by wow. your coach because what happens when you work so closely together in sports uh-huh. is it becomes kind of like a family. And people talk about it like family all the time, uh-huh. regardless of the sport, like basketball, football, all of those things. Like you have to really be in tune with one another and bond to be on the same page. Right. And so that goes with the coaching staff as well, because you have to execute what the coaches are training you to do. Uh-huh. And so when that person leaves, it creates this interesting nuance of like questioning different things and whether they're going to now transfer to different schools, whether they're going to follow the coach, whether they're going to stick with their education where they are now. There's a whole lot of stuff that happens. It's almost like part of your life is completely uprooted and changed. Okay. All right. Well, it's not in your control. Before we get too deep into it, let's explain exactly what a coach is, what their responsibilities, because I know there's more than one coach. Correct. It couldn't ever be just one guy doing all that stuff or one girl doing all that stuff. Like why are coaches so important? Where did the concept of a coach come from? From, like, where did this like pillar in sports, how did it come to be so pillaresque? Well, your coach is the person that's obviously training you to be successful in the sport. The best way I can do is like a teacher or a tutor or somebody who's there to push you in the right direction and to game plan and strategize and Mm -hmm. and break down to put you in your your best position for success. Mm -hmm. Okay. The majority coaches I'm talking about here are the head coaches. Right. Because obviously different teams have different levels of coaches. Like basketball coach, you have majority of people, the only people you talk about in basketball is your head coach. You have like different coaches that help with shooting, different things like that. But for the most part, you have your main coach. In football, you have a bunch of different coaches. So you have your head coach. You've got like coordinators for offense, defense, and special teams. They're like the play callers. They're in charge of those segments. But usually what ends up happening is when a head coach leaves in football, they try and bring all of those guys with them. So it's almost like the whole coaching staff leaves. The one coach is the headlining name, but they usually take their assistance with them if they can, because the coaches have to have trust in them. And so coaches evolved in the sense of being able to educate a team and bring them up and put them in the position to success. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, just like Naismith created basketball, they are the ones that help you learn and get further in depth into sport and advance your skill. Mm-hmm. They know the training drills to do, the different exercises. Like in wrestling, our coaches taught us new moves and different ways to get out of being taken down or anything like that. These coaches do the same thing and they also strategize and they also shape what kind of offense or defense you're running, whether in basketball you're running a Zoden defense or if you blitz a lot in football like they're the ones that are the masterminds uh-huh. they're the ones that are like it makes them sound evil yeah but but they're the ones that you know they're the strategic head uh-huh. of the game and they're, they're like the general yeah if we were going to make the sport is battle analogy they're calling the shots yeah yeah okay so they're the ones that are moving the pieces and making sure the pieces what are happens when a coach is not good at their job and they not usually to, get fired not to well okay not to <laughs> 
not to call anyone out about this, but when I was in high school, I was on the throwing team, right? And our coach. <laughs> I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so. I'm not going to name names, but it's just like they clearly didn't know anything about throwing and right. so when it came to learning from them about throwing we were left to our own devices i had to look up videos on how to like throw properly and yeah. youtube was in its infancy by the time that i was able to actually look up stuff so i would go to like i don't even know where i found things to like go did i go to e-bombs world to try to look up a throwing video or something like that i, I imagine you probably just like maybe it was shared on like myspace <laughs> I don't know. You know, for a guy that was on YouTube my computer all the so time, YouTube new. came out in 2005, but I guarantee you there were oh, not that many. I remember doing baseball training when I was younger. You'd yeah. like rent a VHS tape from the, right! from the library. They had like instructional yeah. VHS tapes about how to do things. I didn't do that at all for throwing. That would have helped me a lot. <laughs> Man, no, and there was like, cause, and then the people on those VHS it was like, oh, we're also I'm coach, coach, yes, I'm Coach Frank Shotson. I tell you how to put a shot. I so, tell you how to throw that shot all the way down there. I throw rocks in South Shreveo. I know what I'm doing. I'll teach you for five bucks. <laughs> I like, I okay. This is just a general PSA to go to your library because it's a very important educational system yes. and like a good facility. And we should definitely fund more libraries. There's tons of free stuff that is paid for by your community for your library that you should take advantage of that. There's so, also books you can learn from on how to do sports. Exactly. You could, who's going to read a book about a sport? You did when your master's degree. I read so <laughs> many. So many books. Legal. Oh, so many, yeah, so many man, books about but, but it's one of those things where it's just like, man, if I don't even think about it, which I didn't because I, I was a thrower not to be great at throwing. I was a thrower because it was the easiest, laziest sport in track right. and field. And I love that about it. And there's some people that take it very seriously. I'm not discrediting them, but I had a coach that did not really care too much about it. I, you know, maybe actually I'll take that back. Maybe he tried. Maybe he tried to learn up about it. But I remember when he was teaching us certain things and exercises to do, he didn't really do that. I mean, if I was throwing now, I would be going into the weight room a lot more and getting stronger. We didn't do that. <laughs> but also keep in mind, this was this was at a public school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically all of the coaches were pretty much teachers. They had to True. be teachers. Yeah, there. absolutely. We're talking college where these guys are getting paid multi-million dollars to run a successful program. Because the reason this happens is because there's a correlation between national championships uh -huh. and admittance to colleges and applications to colleges. Right. To where the college, if a team wins a national championship, there's a giant influx of people that want to go to that school to the point to where it's insanely profitable if you have a championship team. Interesting. And that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like a chicken and the egg kind of thing because if your school has a reputation, of winning, then people want to go. Or if you have a reputation of having a good team, then people want to go. But also like newcomers are like, they just won. So it's like, oh, their coaching staff must be good and it's hot and I can learn a lot. Well, it's also the publicity that comes out when True. you win. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot of stuff that goes into Because that. like you said, there are thousands of colleges in America, which I did not know. It's stunning how many. And when you think about the high school, because we talk tens of thousands of high schools, yes. the coaching must be just volunteer teachers, like doing it in their spare time. I mean, they do get a pay bump. Teachers get a pay bump to coach. They do? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Our friend Michael, he he coached. Thaxton? Yeah, he coached. And he got paid extra because he coached. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's why there's a person at our school that did stats for the water polo team who is yeah. not very good at stats. Yeah. And I screwed up the stat sheet so many times that I'm still upset about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That basically coached but didn't know a damn thing. And she got the extra pay because she was considered a coach. Okay. Weird. I, I thought it was all volunteer stuff. No. There's a 
like it just increases your salary just a little bit. Yeah. Or something, okay. Depending right. on what it is. Anyway, sorry, I got sidetracked there. But yeah, so like these coaches are the ones that make these winning programs, right? Uh-huh. These are the ones that, you know, it's not just affecting the athletes that they're going to be coaching. It's affecting the entire student body because when that high profile coach leaves, that's been successful. Yeah. So for example, there's a, a head coach at Oklahoma. Sure. Whose name is Lincoln Riley, who's leaving to go to USC. He got yeah. a new job offer for more money and a prolific program at the University of Southern California, and he's leaving. He has had two Heisman quarterbacks back-to-back in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, Mm -hmm. and he's now leaving to go to a different school. So, like, he has shown that he can make great recruited, great athletes become the best player in college football. So you you would put that much power on the coach themselves. They are responsible for the success of their teams and, like, the people that they find, right? Correct, because in college, the head coach and everybody... They're not just coaching. Mm-hmm. They're also going out and their name is being tied to the program mm-hmm. and their name is being tied to the recruiting process. So like when I was in, you know, winning state championship water polo. Yeah. Before that, I was entering the recruitment portal for water polo. Right. I never fully got recruited because I never swam and they had, there's a whole thing about that. But coaches would then come to me and be like, they sell you their program. Right. Okay. Why you want to come there. So the coach is like, it's not the school coming to you. It's that actual coach. Mm -hmm. So that creates that more personal element of why players go to that school if they're in that sport program. That's fascinating. Yeah. Because it's so strange how these things all boil down. Because yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know, Tyler was in the water polo team and they won state. Your senior year? Yeah. Senior year. Senior year, won state. The girls team was runner up state, right? Uh, I can't remember what they placed, but they were in the state finals. Yeah. So very good water pole team. Football team, not so much. Very bad. Very bad football team. Yeah, we talked about it briefly where you're like, yeah, there were yeah. a lot of safeties. When we're yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I remember just like, because I was in marching band, so uh, we were there. We would play whenever you guys scored. We didn't play a lot. <laughs> But but does that boil down to just like the coaching staff of that football team? Because there's other teams in Cincinnati that would just sweep the floor with us and we knew they were good. Is that just because they're coaching team or funding? So funding's going to be involved. Mm-hmm. But you're talking high school, right? So funding's going to be involved, but also Milford's coaching staff and football program in general. There was a lot of landscape in that from political and various stuff like that from the Boosters Club. Mm-hmm. Having been in that and left that program because yeah. of it, there's a lot of nuances to that to where athletes that felt like they were the better athlete weren't playing. Mm-hmm. And like they've turned it around a good bit since we've left. Okay. And the coaching staff has changed over quite a bit and they've developed a winning program. But if you're not successful, your best athletes aren't going to want to necessarily join that sport. Mm-hmm. Our basketball team was pretty good. A lot of the basketball players were pretty good. Yeah. The baseball team was pretty good. The mm-hmm. water polo team was our best sport. And that's not me being selfish. We actually won a state title, which was the first state title since like 1960 or something. Wow. And it was golf. <laughs> Um, golf? Yeah, golf was the only state title Milford had before we won. And that's like an individual thing anyway, right? Or is it a team golf? There's a team golf. There's team golf. Yeah. They all run out on the field and they They hit as fast as they can. Uh, Yeah. Or this Mario golf game that I was seeing recently. Like you hit it and then you run to your next ball and it's like whoever gets there first, like, ah. 
I, I like that game. Speed I have that game. golf, I think they call it. It is called speed golf. Yeah. Anyway, so when it comes down to these like coaching decisions and teams in general, anywhere in the country, it's down to the coach, how passionate they are about their program, how they get how, players, how they get on players the on the team. Because that's another thing. Like when it comes down to different high schools, it's not like the high schoolers at say I think Cole Rain was pretty good. Cole Rain was amazing. Cole Rain was amazing. School. It's not like those human beings are better. It's they have been trained correctly. They started sooner with better training. They have learned more because they've been taught more. And they have a coaching staff that knows how to utilize their talents th- mm-hmm. of what they have to the best of their ability. They can evaluate some being like, okay, they would look at me and be like, basketball ain't for you, buddy. Look, <laughs> you need to, uh, unless you get a growth spurt between junior and senior, it ain't going to happen. But they could look at me and I never played football, but I was always told like running back. I could have yeah. maybe been a running back. I-, I could see you being a running back. 100%. Yeah, because... You know, I'm stocky, not short, stocky. You had strong legs. Strong you were legs, fast. fast. And, and like, I can take a you hit. Could, you could also change directions quite well. The the coach, in a lot of senses, and mm. and there's, there's arguments to be had here because they're very successful programs, but most successful programs come from having a long history of having good coaches. Sure. For example, you went to the University of Cincinnati. I did. You went there when Tony Pike was the quarterback. Brian Kelly was the head coach. Yeah, I remember that name. And they, they were successful. They made it to multiple bowl games Mm -hmm. after he left they dropped the recruitment was there some players left because brian kelly left and went to notre dame Mm. but that player base was there but the new coach came in there was a new concept they had new coordinators they had new game plans they had new strategies that they didn't necessarily have the right players for the players then had to learn a completely different system of how they were being trained Mm -hmm. how plays were called different things like that it completely turns over a program yeah And when that drops off, and this is seen in numerous ways, if a program is not successful, the players don't show up on the big time television for the chance to be, you know, drafted to the next level or, or, and the more recent thing that this makes a massive impact is, is student athletes recently got their rights to use their name, likeness, and image, nil. It just passed. Oh, good. This past year. Because oh. before the NCAA made us all sign stuff, I had to sign this. And I was, I was like, this is absolutely You sign away your your. You sign away your likeness, rights. Your, all your rights, yeah. Whereas other students could use their name, likeness, whatever they want. Like, mm-hmm. there's a huge thing, Destroying. Do you know the name Destroying on YouTube? No. He was a fantastic kicker, punter in college. Mm-hmm. And he got put in a culmination of he couldn't make money on YouTube because no. he was a student athlete. Yeah. Whoa. And that's, there was a whole thing about that uh-huh. to where he stopped being a student athlete so he could pursue YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And this is where this got brought up again. It's something I studied massively, why people argue about pay for play in college and stuff like that. Uh-huh. It's when a program switches like that, all of a sudden these name, likeness, image, all of that that you're able to use, uh-huh. if you're not getting that exposure, that value of you going to that school now yeah, yeah. diminishes. Mm. So not only are you having this culmination of like this coach is obviously seeking another opportunity, good for him, uh-huh. got a chance somewhere else, at a program that he was looking forward to probably for more money, but it totally changes so much in the student athlete's perspective of, do I still go there? Do I transfer and follow that coach? Do I go somewhere else? Yeah, because you can have the best player in the world, but if they're on the worst team, it'll never show. They have such a lower chance of being recruited or like going to the NFL or something like that. It ruins their chances. Or if you're like the best center, but you're in a Steve Kerr offense where it's all about three-point shooting, sure, you're not going to show off your offensive skills. You're not right. going to show off the things that possibly make you the best center because in the world. Because when there's 5,000 colleges and there's like how many spots? There's 60 
16 teams in the NFL? Uh, uh, 32 teams. In 32 the NFL. teams in the NFL. Like 32 times, I don't remember how many players are on it. 50-something. 53. 53! 53. Uh, when you have 53 slots times 32. 53 times 32. 50 times 30 would be 1,500. Uh, 3 times 2. No, 3 times 30 would be 90. So 1,590. 2 times 50. 1,690. Then 3 times 2 is 6. 1,696. Correct. Yes! That's not that many. <laughs> That's not as many spots, and they're not all getting replaced all the time. Correct. Like, and yeah. the rosters are bigger in college, and there are more teams yeah. in college. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. each time you get from the level, getting from high school, there's vastly more teams, mm -hmm. vastly more players. It's a funnel. And so as it funnels down, you have like a less than 1% chance as a high school athlete of making it to the professional ranks. Yeah. And so your program, what you choose can affect that because you could be the greatest running back of all time, but if you're running a spread offense and they never run the ball, you're not going to get your opportunities. Sure, and I so, know what that means. Well, it's a spread offense is where offense go wide and spread out. All wide out. receivers and they're passing. Just go. All the time. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. so the running back, there's not much of a run game. It's all about quick passing. Mm -hmm. So you know if that neglects the running back position to an extent. Hmm. Um, so if you you got choosing your program is based on those coordinators, those coaches, their strategies. Uh -huh. And so all of a sudden you have this guy who's been a great quarterbacks coach who generally ran a pretty balanced offense. They passed more than they threw, uh -huh. but leaving and you're coming in as like a wide receiver or a quarterback all of a sudden it's like i don't know the unknown you don't uh -huh. know who the next coach is going to be you don't know what their strategy is going to be so all of a sudden that affects your name likeness and image your pocketbook because there's yeah. money in that now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now it's going to affect your ability potentially to make it to the next level because you need to be able to shine to be a star so then people are like oh i want to draft that guy yeah 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 so like that completely changes so did you bring this up because there was something that happened recently in the coaching yeah that's what i was talking about okay, was yeah, lincoln yeah. riley moving like that's the big one he had back-to-back -back heisman coaches but oh, this happens okay, gotcha. this also happens every year yeah. whether it's college basketball or anything like that whether they lose or win like it's the same thing if the coach gets fired uh-huh like you could be a great coach and you have one bad season and all of a sudden they can't you uh-huh because it's like they want the tradition of winning and so, like, John Harbaugh, who's the head coach for Michigan, was on the chopping block until this year where he finally got over the hump and beat Ohio State. Ah. Uh, John Calipari for the University of Kentucky is the basketball coach there. Had a really rough year last year, so there was already conversation about maybe he's not the coach that we need anymore. Uh -huh. But, like, those coaches are so integral in the recruiting process and so integral in how the program works at the current time that it changes that. So it affects so many things. And thinking about that from the student-athlete level is just enormous. Yeah, no, yeah. Because I, you can't fault the coach for leaving. Yeah, because it was funny because when you said it was, like, abandoned, I'm like, oh, man, that doesn't seem... But that way you put it like that, it really does seem like you could get abandoned. If this coach came to me, and let's say I was incredible athlete, I'm mm -hmm. stunning, whatever I'm doing in some ex sport and he comes to me personally is like you need to come to my school because i think you have potential and i change all my life plans to go to that school and that's Correct. a big decision to, to like pick what school you're going Correct. to because you're you're balancing your education because mm -hmm. everybody wants to have a good education yeah and then you're balancing your chance of success in something you're very passionate exactly about. and then suddenly they leave that's huge but also you could transfer correct but there's what are the odds that that new school picks you because what if that correct. school already has a good whatever correct. i did that's the other issue and yeah, then scholarships yeah. are a factor because uh -huh. every school has only so many scholarships so yeah, yeah. do you transfer and risk not having a scholarship because mm -hmm. 
you don't know who's going to come for you in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. yeah. You could literally go out in the transfer portal because you don't have much of a tape or something because you could have just been a fresh recruit. You got redshirted. Mm -hmm. I Maybe know what that means know. too. It's when you get sent down onto the planet to die <laughs> very early on and your name will never be written down. Your name, likeness, and image is gone because you got obliterated. <laughs> Tragic. <laughs> strategy. Strategy. No, tragic. I said oh. tragic. It's tragic. <laughs> I heard strategy. It's <laughs> tragic. It's tragic strategy. But that's the interesting nuance in that is like, it is almost like you're being abandoned. It's almost like, yeah, yeah. you know, all of a sudden you're put into this unknown space where mm -hmm. you don't know if you're going to have success anymore. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I guess from the coach's perspective, there's got to be a lot of opinions that because they got to look out for themselves, I guess. But Correct. if I was in that role and I really knew this team and I recruited them personally, I would feel connected to them. Yeah. That would be a tough decision. Yeah. Like, and most really of the tough. coaches do talk about how it was a very difficult decision and why they made the decision and stuff like that uh -huh, yeah. but at the end of the day like it's still like the unknown i can't fault yeah. them but it's just like putting yourself in that student athlete's perspective like uh -huh. when i went to college i walked onto the football team sure and i had a coach and i'd finally gotten through this head coach and i don't think i've ever told you this story i don't think so so my freshman year i hurt myself i tore all of the tissue in the bottom of my left foot gotcha and so i came back sophomore year and i excelled on the jv team because uh -huh. it basically it was like uh, you know you have your your starters and then luckily in division three you're able to have like what's called a JV team, much like we did in high school, mm -hmm. where you can play games and have stuff like that to test your talent. And I like destroyed on the scout team in practice where I decimated our number one defense, mm -hmm. not because they were bad necessarily, but because me and the quarterback at that time were on the same page. And so I looked really good. And then I went into chronic kidney failure. I had my kidney transplant junior year. And so mm -hmm. I was a student coach. My senior year, we had a completely new head coach. And like I came back and I had the opportunities and also I probably shouldn't have been playing football, but I basically got my doctor to sign off that if I die, it's my own fault kind of thing. Oh, I understood. Because yeah. I shouldn't have played full contact football after kidney transplant. But it was like, why? You know, it's one of those things. And I talk about this a lot with my mom. It's uh -huh. like, why get a kidney transplant, have a life if you can't do the things that you really, really want to do? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like I had committed myself to to play college football and I wanted to finish out my season. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to continue and put myself in harm's way you know i wore a protective pad i did a lot of stuff like that but it's like for me to get that kidney transplant of course i wanted to keep living but it's like my heart was in something i wanted to finish something i, mm. I you gotta let me do it yeah i guess yeah and like that to me was worth the risk mm -hmm. and it didn't feel right to me that a doctor can be like no you just can't do that right like no it's my life i want to have that power in my life mm -hmm. so i went on to play and i didn't get it still bothers me to this day and it, i get kind of emotional about it but i didn't get to play as much and get as many opportunities my senior year and i don't know if it was had to do with the coaching change or the fact that they were trying to protect me or whatever like that but i didn't get the passes i didn't get the plays i obviously was not as good as i was sophomore year because i went from 195 pounds to 140 pounds overnight mm -hmm. so from march to july i lost 50 pounds mm -hmm. because of kidney failure mm -hmm. And so like being able to play in that coaching change to me impacted it so much that I didn't get to, you know, have the success that I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. I never scored a touchdown in college. Mm -hmm. I never got those opportunities. I never got those passes. And I don't know if it was the coaching change or whatever, but that coach change also changed like how awards were given out. They basically abandoned all of the other awards for most improved, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden there was just an MVP thing. And so it was like, I'm not going to win that mm -hmm. after, you know, the change in the game plan and the various stuff that happened. Yeah. And so like my career 
trajectory completely changed. And obviously my kidney transplant impacted that, but also that coaching change impacted that. So mm -hmm. this is very personal to me in the sense that like, I know from not having this name likeness, like image use that where you can actually make money off of yeah, yeah, and have success in because I had to sign mine away mm -hmm. and they're coming in and they have this opportunity to get this while also being able to go to school while also being able to be a part of a major program. And they're excited to work with this coach. They're excited to work with this program. And you know, they just end up moving jobs and I can't blame the coach. It's the worst thing is I can't blame the coach, but it completely mm. changes your life. Yeah. And it's something completely outside of your control. Mm. And it's an interesting nuanced thing that I don't think a lot of people who watch sports and love sports I, know. It, it, like, especially like well, definitely people that watch sports, but especially people that don't. And this is where I always want to get the message across for people listening to this. That I was like, uh huh, sports ball. That's not the approach that I'm here just because I don't know sports. With sports, you have something that not only are people passionate about, but every moment of their journey through that sport is a story to be told. Like with Tyler here with his kidney failure, I knew about that I was there like knowing about that and like I still didn't know about the deeper nuances of how that affected your life and how that changed your life and how that changed like what it is and also combined with like how other things outside of your control kidney was obviously outside of your control but like when it <laughs> yeah. comes to like coaching and other people's lives and like the decisions that they make and like what they think is best it's impossible to cover all of that for one human but that's what makes sports such a interwoven fabric of people's lives when they say you know they're passionate about sports it's not just like I want to throw a ball real good it's like I want to succeed I want to know I'm good I want to be able to show that I'm good I want to be my best even if my best isn't enough to get me to say the NFL or something like I still want to push to my best and I totally get that about the kidney thing like you got a new lease on life you should live that to your fullest and maybe you weren't ever going to be on the trajectory that gets you to the NFL but god damn it I knew you would have tried yeah you would never have quit like your body quit before you quit you know that's that's something that people should like even if they don't respect it like give it a chance to show that you know someone's willpower is is stronger than like what fails them you know which is also why this is so emotional for me to think about putting myself in the shoes of those student athletes that just got recruited mm -hmm. and and this is completely uprooting and changing it because it's like they're all excited to go to this school they're excited mm -hmm. to be a part of this program and they're excited for the opportunities to use their name and likeness which by the way is foundational change that is fantastic to college how, how soon was that that was last year last year okay and the ncaa just lost a lawsuit regarding an antitrust thing uh -huh. that made them no longer to be able to control this uh -huh. because the ncaa is the governing body for all of college sports. Mm -hmm. um, there is another governing body called the NAIA, but the primary one, you hear about March Madness, that's the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. You hear about college football playoff, the Rose Bowl, you know, these big sporting events. Those are all controlled by the NCAA. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are the premier college sports organization. They set the rules. They set the guidelines. They talk about performance enhancing substances that you're not allowed to use. Yeah. It is the governing body of all of college sports. Mm -hmm. And so to have all of that, this this nil thing is a huge thing as well because there's arguments that were happening in sports for pay for play mm -hmm. because there are these star athletes, you know, that are people are selling their jerseys, mm -hmm. like their numbers, their name, their likeness is being used in the publications, all kinds of things, all over ESPN, all over every and place. And they would get nothing of that They got before. nothing. Yeah. But now the recent law that passed last year, mm -hmm. um, it started in California and then it became a nationwide thing. 
is the passing of student athletes being able to use their name, image, and likeness, Mm -hmm. which is huge because that was a right that was taken away that other students had. Mm-hmm. The other issue that I see for pay for play that I still have an issue with, because this is getting into other stuff, is the scholarships. Mm-hmm. Division one scholarships are not educationally guaranteed for four years. Really? They're one year renewable. Oh. Which back in the day, they used to be a guaranteed four years. Interesting. So which instigates a problem. If you get kicked off the team, you can't afford school anymore. Well, not only that, but they can take your scholarship away to give it to somebody else at any point in time. What? Yeah. The SEC, there's plenty of stories that have come out in that case of like an athlete getting injured or something happening and they lose their scholarship because they can't play anymore or can't be at the highest level. It doesn't happen very often. There's a lot of schools. I have a friend who went to Purdue to be an offensive lineman. Yeah. He had multiple shoulder surgeries and basically was like, I can't play anymore. And Purdue left him on scholarship. Okay. But the problem with the one-year renewable scholarship is it doesn't, in my opinion, validate them as students. Yeah. It makes it more like a contract to play, which is why pay for play is brought up. Mm -hmm. So like to me, this was huge. And then at the time, you didn't have your name and likeness use. Yeah. So you lost your rights for name and likeness that other Mm -hmm. students had. Yeah. You got a scholarship. You had to be on the team to maintain the scholarship. And the team requires a lot of hours, by the way, to, Mm -hmm. you know, practice all this extra stuff you have to put in, which takes away from other stuff. Mm -hmm. Granted, I think it's an important part of the educational system. But the way to fix this, and this is a huge step, was being able to allow their name and likeness use Uh so that you do YouTube or you do other things. Like you couldn't even before this, you couldn't even put an ad in like Craigslist to be like, hey, I'm the quarterback of the Ohio State University. Yeah. Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. Pay me 50 bucks and I'll tutor your kid for a day. Uh, you yeah. couldn't even say that. All you could say is, hi, I'm a college quarterback. I could tutor your kid. That's so crazy to me. You literally lost your name. You yeah. lost your own right to your name, to how you look. For those listening at home who may not fully understand this, and from what I'm understanding is if you played in a college team, you signed away. Prior to this. Prior to this. It's different now, but the fact that it was before, I, I knew about but didn't know fully about, is that you literally can't use your own name in anything that could potentially profit you. Correct. Anything that could potentially benefit you either. Correct. You couldn't print your face on a piece of paper and sell it for a dollar. Correct. You You couldn't couldn't sign. You couldn't sell your autograph. You couldn't do any of that. Yeah. And a lot of people got in trouble for that. Reggie Bush had his Heisman Trophy taken away because of this and other issues. There are times where boosters gave players monies and all kinds of stuff like that that caused issues. But the crazier part about this is not only did you sign it away so you couldn't use it. Yeah. The NCAA had every right Mm. to use it in any way they saw fit at that time. And this is also why the, um, you remember like the NCAA football games and NCAA basketball games? Those no longer exist because of things like this. Uh Because of lawsuits that brought up about how much they use their likeness and how close they were in Mm. resemblance in the game. Yeah. For those who don't know, when you're in the NFL, you have a contract and you get paid a lot of money. Correct. What this is also referring to is when you're in college and you play for your college team, you sign with the NCAA, you sign away your likeness, they can do whatever they want. It's not only that you can't do what you want, they can do whatever they want. They could put you in a commercial for something you don't even agree with. 
they, they generally wouldn't do that, but they, they never could did. Have. They could have. They could have. I'm not saying this is an example of hyperbole Correct. anyway. It's a moot now that yeah, it's not. Yeah, because all this stuff is. But fast. like they can do whatever they want with your likeness yeah. in relation to football. Or is it just like outside of football even? All NCAA sports at the time, whether you were a women's basketball player, whether you were a swimmer, whether you were a lacrosse player, whether you played professional chess cricket, whatever wow. sport exists <laughs> under the NCAA spectrum god that's so they were nuts. able to do it. soccer everything by the way chess cricket is not a sport i just it made it should up for be comedy. though that's pretty great <laughs> chess cricket you know you play some cricket and then you stop and like do one move and like or, you, or there's moves in the goal posts for everyone and you gotta fight to make a move there's like identical chess boards over there <laughs> oh my god but you it was crazy pieces. wait what crickets you gotta crickets the paddle you gotta hit the i was thinking lacrosse <laughs> lacrosse chess lacrosse This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But yeah, that's that's the way the NCAA used to be. You had mm-hmm. to sign away that stuff, and now you got NIL. You have the coach transfer, which is also impacting this, which is why I brought this up. Mm-hmm. But I wrote numerous papers about this before this ever came up as yeah. to how we fix the issue of amateurism in college sports. Mm-hmm. There's people that have come at me that didn't study sports like I have being like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I've written like three papers on this. Yeah, I have done massive research. And the fact is, before the NCAA existed, uh-huh. and this is an important thing, it was free reign. Uh-huh. So basically, you could have a player playing for one school, and the next week, suddenly that player goes and plays for another school because they got offered more money or got offered this, which is why the NCAA came about. Uh-huh. So to prevent that, they created the rules and governing body and regulations that made it so that these players can't just go, oh, this guy's given me like $10,000 to come over and play this week for this team. Mm-hmm. It made it so that, you know, there's a transfer portal. They have limited eligibility. You don't have like a 60-year-old player on there who's like heaving the ball. You don't have Tom Brady out there who's sure, yeah, ageless as heck as much <laughs> as it upsets me. <laughs> Still playing in college, um, slinging the ball up and down the field. Yeah, you know, slanging that ball all over the place. So then CAA came in and basically created this governing body and made all this in place. So there were rules there. And then they ended up doing the likeness and image and obviously profited a lot off of that. Uh 
And so it created this dynamic. And so many people are like, well, just pay them. And I'm like, you literally will run into the same issue that happened before the NCAA existed. Mm, yeah. And the, the nuance beyond that is the reason it becomes an issue is they took away the emphasis on student. Mm. And I still think they have room to improve. Yeah. I think scholarships for student athletes should be guaranteed four years. Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be better requirements on GPA so that the people that come into college, like there's plenty of great, highly intelligent students that sometimes don't make it because they run out of spots and admission and various stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think everybody should have the same level GPA and it needs to be higher than, I think it's like a two point something for scholarships. Mm -hmm. The SEC has the lowest and very interesting nuances. In yeah, that. gotta be smart to throw a ball. You know what I'm saying? But the biggest thing that I you know what I'm saying? You're not addressing what I'm saying. You gotta acknowledge when you I say something. You gotta be smart. No, you gotta I'm, know the play. I, I'm all about that. Like <laughs> college for the majority of people that go in for sports. You know, let's be frank. They're not gonna play professionally. The majority Correct. of them. Correct. So college should be about education, like Correct. it is. And I still think that sports is an integral part of the educational system because mm -hmm. there's so many things. I mean, can you attest to this about the fact of different things that you learn in sport that you didn't learn in school? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, being able to do sport in school at the same time helps you with time management, mm -hmm. whether it's True. clubs, even if you do like band True. or other things like that that may not be technically sports, like those things help. And they're sure, part of the absolutely. Education and also just like from a social aspect, like if I hadn't had extracurricular activities, like when would I socialize with people yeah. in school? Like you're in class like those eight hours of the day you get maybe a lunch break but just like being able to talk with other people and get other perspectives like it's it's world opening if you especially if you're like me and you played clothes and like did you know your own thing at home and played video games all the time like because i did sports i at least knew some people you know i was at least able to talk to some people and then just like having those different perspectives and stuff like that there's so many things you could tell about the skills that they teach i didn't know about working out weightlifting eating right thinking about any of that kind of stuff you know social skills teamwork mm -hmm. Um, being able to pick each other up when stuff goes awry. Like, yeah. you know, you deal with adversity so much in sport. Yeah. There are people today that I meet that when, and I, I'm not judgmental of these people that just suddenly have something go wrong and they just don't know how to handle it. Yeah. No, that's so they, many people. Yeah. Em emotionally. And, and sometimes it has to do with mental health. Sometimes it has to do with other stuff, but mm -hmm. it's something that in sport you deal with adversity all the time, whether it's injuries, which I very well know a lot about mm -hmm. or losing. Yeah. Or, you know, not getting the success you wanted or dropping a pass or missing a shot that was mm. a game winner. Like you learn how to be human. Yeah. You know, it's just like failure is the best teacher. I like I, I say this a lot, but it is. And in sports, especially our high school football team, they should be the smartest guys <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> I feel like they're just a punching bag. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they maybe they should have hit the punching bag a few times before they went to the game, if you know what I mean. No, I'm just saying, like, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, sports. Obviously, if a kid is going to college to play, let's say football, on that they're the very good. Team, they're very good. They're good, but that doesn't mean that they should de-emphasize or build the entire structure of that program of recruiting someone for their college football team to be just about football. Like it's a college too. Yeah. It should be about education. It's like with high schools, you know, a high school shouldn't dump its entire budget on their sports team. They should pay their teachers a little more too, you yeah. know, like the actual education part of it. Because here's a news flash for people out there who are listening to this, who may be younger and still in high school. The learning never stops, or at least it shouldn't. 
your entire life is going to be a journey about learning. You just got to pick what you want to learn. And that's the scary part, because when you don't know what you want to learn, you end up not learning anything. And so like getting into a situation where your emphasis is just like, you throw this ball and you throw us real good. You know, you can you can tunnel vision, lose focus on other things about the rest of the world and the human experience that you haven't learned anything about. And so the fact of it being one year renewable, it's lacking the investment in them as students. Mm -hmm. If you guarantee them four years, they have four years to get a degree, whether they get hurt, whether or not there'll be arguments against this by people that's like, well, I just gave this kid a scholarship. And then he's like, yeah, I don't want to play football or I don't want to play this sport in college. That's the risk. That's the risk, right? You got to invest in them as students. Uh That's the whole point of it being student athletes. So if you remove the one year renewable, Mm -hmm. you give them the likeness thing, which is a huge step. Mm -hmm. And you adjust the required training hours because right now you have required training hours, but then you have optional training hours. Mm -hmm. But the problem with optional training hours is they end up becoming required because if you don't show up to that, the coach is all of a sudden like, why weren't you there? I see. And you also get a step behind your other athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's one of those things to where you have to respect their time to be students. Mm -hmm. You give them the same rights as other students have because they're doing amazing things. They should be able to do amazing things and use their name and image for other interests. Mm -hmm. I get why initially they wanted to protect them because there were agents and other people that were kind of ripping them off. Yeah, yeah. But you have to find a way to get that middle ground and it makes it so that it's focused on them as student athletes and stuff like that. And that's why coaches leaving and how this impacts it. Like we got into complete tangent about me talking about pay for play. Of course, of course. But um, why that's such a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost like if I, for example, say, Mark, I moved out here to come here and work with you Uh because you're my great friend. I was excited about the possibilities and all that stuff like that. Uh All of a sudden I move out there and they're like, oh, I'm moving over to this place. Yeah. I just uplifted my life. I feel like, like I'm being called out. I, I, I don't. I don't think it. No, because I didn't. moved across town and you were still over there. No, no. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of. Are you not, calling me no, out right no, now? No, Is that no, what you're no, saying no, right now? No. Hey. Uh, no. No. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is just like it leaves that person in a bewilderment. Right. Like, even Mm -hmm. if I still was able to work with you and make the great stuff that we did, which I'm so proud of all the stuff that we've made over the past years. Yeah, not this, though. Not not this yet. Pile of dogs. We're still working on this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but it's like you move for a job and then the the job leaves. Exactly. Yeah. It's to that extent. Like, I would still be able to say, like, if you had moved somewhere else, I still could have worked remotely. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do the same stuff. I wouldn't have been able to be in videos and that sort of stuff. But there was still stuff I could do. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like, even, like, when I haven't been on your channel and different stuff like that, I've been doing stuff where I see things and try and help out where I can. Mm-hmm. You know, even, like, you had um, me help move some furniture and stuff and, and things like that. Because, well, well you don't need to defend you. it. I'm just that an wasn't ass, you. I get it. That wasn't you, honestly. No, no, no. But, no, but it's one of those things. I like having that opportunity to do that. So mm-hmm. there's always places to do that. But it's different. Mm-hmm. Like we're great friends, but if it was just a work relationship and even if it was like that coach relationship, because you haven't established that if you're fresh coming in, mm-hmm. it changes everything. The possibilities are reduced. You know, a lot of things change mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it leaves you in a place of unknown. Yeah. And it's like, I get it for the coaches. And this has become a complicated conversation with the coaches and like the colleges and who runs the college and all that kind of stuff. But like what it boils down to is like, what's the right thing to do both for you and like, you know, the people who count on you. And like with the colleges and the the scholarship thing, it's the right thing to do. If you're recruiting someone to your college and you want them to come along, you pay for their four year scholarship. Whether that works out for you or not, it's the right thing to do. And for coaches, it's complicated. Like if it's the right thing to do, 
do that, that for them personally to go to another college. That's a tough decision to make, but also the people that counted on you and came there for you because you asked them to, and then you just up and leave. That's tough. So my thought on this, and this yeah. is the one thing that I don't like, yeah, is usually college coaches mm. wait until the end of the season to say they're leaving. Mm. And so when that happens, they go through the entire recruitment process already because mm -hmm. the majority of recruitment happens in season. Mm -hmm. That's so that they can come to your games, watch your program, come to practices, see what it's like. And so waiting till the end of the season, like I get because you want your your players to believe in you and you want to fight for the program. But if you have an opportunity and you think you're going to leave, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a level where we need to be more understanding of coaches leaving and we need to be understanding to the point to where coaches can say it earlier without being judged or being given up on. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't play sports for my coaches. Mm -hmm. I get there are people that play for their coaches. Mm -hmm. I played for the guy next to me, especially in team sports. I played in individual sports for swimming to beat my own time. I also did it because I really enjoyed the teammates I was with. That's also kind of why I left wrestling because there wasn't really, you know, the people that I enjoyed wrestling with and stuff like that weren't really there anymore. The coaches changes, all kinds of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And also I just lost my passion for wrestling. But it's one of those things to where if they let you know earlier, you can make a better plan. Mm -hmm. And so that's the part that disappoints me the most is we as a society and the sporting world is are so quick to judge a coach for leaving. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to put them on the spot right now and say, this coach is awful for leaving, but put yourself in the shoes of the coach, put yourself in the shoes of the players and understand a way that we could make this better. That's really what the point is I, I was talking about is betterment of sport today. Like we've made strides for the student athletes. We've made strides in good ways, but also think about the impact you have when the decisions you make, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, whether anything extends beyond that, it's immense the impact you can make by one kind of decision. Mm -hmm. And I think absolutely Lincoln Riley knew what he was doing. I think he's doing what's best for him. I think he's talked to his players and done the right thing. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not there to do that or be around that, but it's a difficult situation. Yeah. And I think the core message of this whole episode is that like, there is so much more that goes on in every single day involved with sports than anyone could possibly know. Beyond the contests. Beyond just the contest. Like it, it does weave into every player, every coach's lives, their actual lives, because all our lives are short and we don't have a lot of time and we got to do the best with what we can. And those decisions of thinking that way impact others. And when there's a weave of people like a team of players on a football team, whether at any level, you really get to understand just how much your decisions make an impact on other people's lives. Yeah. Maybe forever. Yeah. And speaking of time, we're, we're out, out of time. time. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah. But this, is, this has been a very, uh, like, fascinating episode. I, I think this is just, like, a really interesting look into a world of sports that outside of, like, the, the, the numbers and, like, the contests and stuff like that, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, this is the stuff I really studied. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the stuff that, like, I'm big into. I could talk about sports marketing. I could talk about so many things. This is mm -hmm. the stuff that I got really passionate about. And I, I wasn't passionate about it before I got into the programs. Mm -hmm. But when I got into it and I started talking with my professors and getting into the books, I got really passionate about these different things because mm -hmm. I learned so much more because I went in thinking I was good at sports. I knew stuff. But yeah. then I got there and I the so much more. All There's right. so much more even still. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening at home. This has been an enlightening discussion about sports, how coaching affects things, how the college's decisioned, and the fact that the NCAA doesn't have ownership of players' name, likeness, and image. Yeah, it's uh, been a great turn of events, and this is just the surface. There's so much more I could dive in here. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
let us know if you want to hear more of that on the website in the comments and uh make sure and tune in hit the button whatever podcast listening platform you're on to mm-hmm. stay tuned yeah and we'll have uh plenty of more discussions that are either more in depth or more surface level we shall see we're going through all of it and sports is an ever-shifting miasma of terrifying nightmares and glory yes more glory so we'll see you in the next episode bye bye go wow out go out wow go my favorite sports team go away my favorite sports team (laughs) (laughs) all right bye news it's a news bulletin do i have a sound no uh, nope it's a news (laughs) bulletin that's all that is the super bowl has ended i saw it you did not you told me via text you liar i am not lying i saw a picture of it i didn't say when i saw it i saw it what was the picture what super bowl number was it oh you know it didn't have the number in the picture <laughs> I just really saw, why would it have that I every just... super bowl has the roman numerals after it for the year designated a number of super bowl. i saw were you just looking at a bowl of no food? no i saw a bangle and i saw a uh ram and they were <sighs> You you only know those two from the video you made with me, the Blood Bowl. I know because, you know, I'm a sports guy. I'm a sportman. Uh Uh I'm a sport anchorman. So, Mark, Mark, um, let me tell you how this this Super Bowl went. Our home team, Uh the Cincinnati Bengals were Uh in it, Uh and they lost. Uh, They tried their best. I'm incredibly proud of this team. Nobody thought they would even make it to the playoffs, let Mm -hmm. alone get this far. Yeah. But... I'd be lying if I didn't say after the loss, I felt a little bit depressed. That's so sad. Why? Well, because the difficulty level of getting to that pinnacle of the NFL Mm -hmm. is so rare. Mm. And this was the third time the Bengals have made it ever. Mm. And the first time in our lifetime. Mm. I was born one week after the last time where the the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And my dad joked that it was because I grew up and I loved Steve Young and Jerry Rice, Mm -hmm. which were on the 49ers who played them. And that's why. But that's why they retroactively lost before you were born? No, that's why I was late. I was supposed to be born earlier. And so I stayed in the womb because my dad would have been like, you 49er baby, smack. By the way, my dad never smacked me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is a lot of uh, childhood trauma coming up. This is not what this podcast is about. We're here to report the news. Either way, beautiful game. It was very back and forth. The Bengals took the lead right after halftime, after an incredible halftime show, by the way. Yeah. They really honored hip hop, and it was really, really, really cool to see, you know, those icons on stage. From when we were growing up. Amy had a good point about the Super Bowl halftime or halftime shows in general. Like the musical performance, great, whatever, yada yada. Wouldn't it be better if Cirque du Soleil came out on the field? Like you, they blow the whistle, halftime! I don't know what they do. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't watch the game, well, Mark. Well, you don't know that. Did they not go halftime? Didn't someone go halftime? 
Can you tell me with a straight face someone didn't go boop halftime? They might have. I knew it. Anyway, so they go boop halftime, and then out come like the whole stadium goes dark, and you just see a bunch of people start twirling in the darkness, and then suddenly, boom! It's that big spiraling tooth circle ring thing, and there's a guy inside, and there's a guy on top, and they're flying out, and then the trapeze artist. Wouldn't that be a great show? Or like just a magician, you know, <laughs> just like. <laughs> Pulling a rabbit out of the hat. Now that'd be a show. Yeah, it's just man with his deck of cards doing card tricks. I know. They got jumbotrons. I have to agree. I know. But back to the game, Mark. Right, the game. Which is the sports part. Of course. Um, uh, my turn now for the expert sport analysis of what happened. Here's what happened in the game, and I'll tell you exactly where things went wrong. The special teams, when they popped out and they started firing, they were missing every shot. It was just a missed opportunity to take out people. You know, they, they weren't aiming high enough. They weren't aiming low enough to get those vulnerable shins, and so they wasted their opportunity. The Bengals really schmumbled it. And so when the actual teams came out with their 11 players, and their five tight ends and their three receivers and their one quarterback and their one running back and their fullback and their doodly doos. Five offensive linemen. <laughs> you know, it was really just a complete shamble from the beginning. And that's what I think. For those of you listening, when Mark was saying numbers, he was showing me wrong numbers with his hand. <laughs> like in Shrek when he says, pick number three, my lord. I don't even know how your brain can do that because when I do it, I instinctively put the right number See, up. the words that roll out of my mouth don't actually pass through any intellectual processing. So I don't know what I'm saying half the time. I'm shocked when I hear it back. Um, but anyway, yeah. That's uh, that's what happened at the Super Bowl game. Real tragedy and or amazing. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the Bengals losing on a final drive where Aaron Donald came through the line and stopped them on a fourth down conversion attempt or the touchdown before that when there was some officiating calls that plenty of people disagree with, including myself, that led to a Rams touchdown. But one distinction I always say, and Mark and I talked about this mm. earlier, I will never blame the officials. Mm. Because as far as I'm concerned, if it comes down to an official call, your team had plenty of opportunities before that mm -hmm. to make a difference. And that's the same thing with the Bengals. They just they weren't able to convert uh, on a lot of plays. Joe Burrow got sacked for the most in Super Bowl history, mm -hmm. tying it. Yeah. And is third most all time in sacks in a season with 70. Ooh. So he got beat up. He also played on a uh, a sprained MCL. He got injured during the game and refused to come out. He actually refused medical attention because he's like, I'm not coming out of the Super Bowl. Uh. The Bengals tight end also had a sprained MCL before the game and still played. Uh. But it was a very, very good game. Good to watch. Good to watch. It was just really saddening how it ended because it was so competitive. <laughs> saddening. That's not a word. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Saddening. Cause to feel sorrow. Make unhappy. That's not a real word. Dictionary.com slash Cambridge.org. <laughs> well, you can't trust that. That's from the UK. We're talking about American English. Whatever. I might be wrong about saddening. But I really do have a, a thought about language and linguistics in general. Like, all sounds that come in terms of language are bullshit. And there's no meaning outside of the meaning that you heard the word in. So the longer you go between hearing a word, it, it'll fall out of your head, right? There's a collective society uh, word base that you have and so the less a word is used in that entire society the more it becomes irrelevant and distant from its original intent
intention. And I'm not saying saddening is far from its original intention, because I know what you mean and I get what you mean. But there's something to be said about how wrong that felt to me. Hmm. You know, that I've never heard that word used in that context or used in spoken language. And this happens with you a lot. They're common words, but it's just like it's so jarring to hear it. <laughs> I'm not saying you're weird, but like this is anyway. Uh, uh, my tangent is over, kachunk. I was wrong, and I apologize. That is a real word. However, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> it was just unfortunate the way that things came to be at mm -hmm. the end of the game. Where and any time a competition comes down to officiating call, it's always really you know anticlimactic. <laughs> anticlimactic and so it, it just was one of those things where it was just like it, it took the wind out of the sails of what was otherwise a fantastic game mm -hmm. of two of the best teams in the nfl mm -hmm. putting their hearts on the line and playing their hearts out to win a world championship mm -hmm. I, I i didn't see the game but i will say this i went back to cincinnati before the super bowl i mm -hmm. was in cincinnati that city had transformed legitimately everything was orange everything we drove into the city at night and so when you're coming in from cvg which is the airport it's actually in covington but it's like the cincinnati airport you have this road when you're going north on 75 up towards the city and you come down this hill and you can see the entire city skyline and it was orange and it is not normally orange i need people to understand it. it looks like a perfectly normal city every other time i think it's very pretty but it was everything was orange the cincinnati big block lit letters were orange paul brown oh, yeah. stadium was lit up orange the crown uh skyscraper was orange so many skyscraper tops were orange the entire city bled orange for those weeks leading up to the super bowl and all that anybody could talk about was the fact that their bangles their bangles were going to the Super Bowl and and I would talk to people and like no one really like cared I mean obviously people were like oh Bengals are gonna win but also people were more excited just to the fact that they did it they got to the Super Bowl and they had a chance all the shitty political discussions went away all the like random like crap that people were talking about like oh economy housing whatever there's many problems and they're still prevalent but for a shining beautiful moment a city was united under this idea that their team their people people yep. that were like embodied cincinnati were doing something incredible and they were proud and i don't know how they feel now but i imagine they're still proud because i'm from cincinnati i'm still proud even though they lost but it was a good game it wasn't a blowout you know they had a shot and like it's better i think for people to squabble of like oh if only they'd done that than being like oh my god they embarrassed us like them coming close it was what it was 20 to 23 20 to 23 three points a field goal to tie it like were they on that last i know they they did that fourth down uh conversion attempt yeah were they in field goal range they were not they were would not it have been a world record field goal if they tried yes could the kicker have done it you know Evan McPherson has done some incredible kicks in his career, which he tied the record for most field goals made in the playoffs. Ooh. He holds numerous records in kicking already this year for uh -huh. most 50-yard field goals made. Ooh. Um, 50 plus, by the way. Yeah. He's insane. Uh -huh. I don't know if that's necessarily where were they? achievable. Where, where were they? <laughs> I don't remember the exact yard mark. And what's the record? The record is 66 yards, 67. Does that Justin include, Tucker just said it like does that include this past the, season. The, the end zone? Yes. So the end zone is, is 10, 10 yards. yards. Yeah, yeah. So I learned that from you. Yeah. Even at the 50-yard line, that's 60. So they would have to do it from the 40. Where were they? 
they were on the Rams' 48-yard line. So if they would have kicked a field goal from there, seven yards behind the 48-yard line would be... That's 69 yards. Yeah. That would have been one yard the record. You said 68 was the record for field goal? I want to confirm that. I want to say 67, Justin Tucker, record, field goal. Because we talked about this previously. No, it was 66 yards. Uh Uh-huh. I I remember. I remember this TikTok that I saw before the big game. And it was just like, there's this audio that's going around that's just... And it was just like whatever the name of the kicker on the Bengals is. It was like it said it said a hypothetical score of the game. It was like twenty three to twenty three. That's what it said in the TikTok. Yeah, it was so close to that. And it was just like him going, <sighs> line that bitch up. Yeah, I, was just like, <laughs> I, know, I, was like, I saw that TikTok yeah, too. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I really hope. But it could have been. It wouldn't have won it, right? But it would have tied, tied it. Yeah, and maybe that's all they would have needed. But how cool would that have been to set a record at the Super Bowl? And it's like, for me, I get it. While they wouldn't do that, because why would you, if you had a chance at something else, sure. But also how cool it would have been. (laughs) I mean, if they felt he had the leg for it, they Uh probably would have went for it. Yeah. It was a very manageable fourth down. If it was like fourth and 10, maybe. Mm. Yeah. But it was fourth and one. Ah, I see. And so it's one of those things where situationally, you should be able to pick up one yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Aaron Donald exists, and he's a freak of a man who just (laughs) absolutely destroys and eats offensive linemen for his career and has done so his entire career. Uh Like, literally has every accolade you could ask for as a defensive player, except for that Super Bowl ring, and he he made an excellent play. The worst part, Mm -hmm. if he was just a second later, Mm -hmm. Jamar Chase was wide open for a deep touchdown pass. He beat Jalen Ramsey, who's arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, made Jalen Ramsey fall down and was just green grass in front of him. But Burrow got hit and... And and let me tell you, like, in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow is a fucking hero. That man is a god in that city. There's no bar, no restaurant he could walk into that he wouldn't have everything bought for him the moment he walked in the door. Like, people talk about that guy with reverence in that city. Well, he's Ohio born and bred. He grew up in Athens, Ohio, which is uh, where Ohio University is. Mm -hmm. Like, I've driven there numerous times from Cincinnati. It's not a Mm -hmm. short drive. Yeah. But it's a few hours and you're talking about like the number of players on the Bengals that are like from Cincinnati is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sam Hubbard, who's a defensive end, is from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And there's numerous other players on that team that are from Cincinnati. And a lot of people, you know, you think in, in college and stuff like that, the big schools mm-hmm. and the big athletes from high school come from California, Texas and Florida. Mm-hmm. Ohio is right up there with them. And so it's just one of those things where it's like when you're in Ohio, high school football is king unless you're at Milford. (laughs) (laughs) They still treat it like it's king, but, you know, a pauper king, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 Ohio versus the world. Yeah. When it comes to football and other sports as well, but mainly football. And so it's one of those things that like when you have somebody who's that elite, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, it just came out that Joe Burrow is the highest rated on pro football focus for this past season. He beat out Tom Brady. And so that's huge. Like that means he was making the right reads. He was throwing it accurately. Like everything you ask for in a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And he's just, and this is something they talked about numerous times. He's unfallible. Mm -hmm. 
he could get hit numerous times and he just gets back up. He doesn't get rattled. Infallible. He doesn't shake. Oh, infallible. I might be wrong about that. I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but he doesn't get rattled. He yeah. just is able to, you know, continue playing and play at a high level, regardless of how many times he's been hit. Mm-hmm. He steps up with confidence. He believes in his team. And, and he put out a great tweet afterwards, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's just like, sorry, we couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of us. Mm-hmm. So, like, just class act. Mm-hmm. As far as I know about his life right mm-hmm. now in this current moment, he is a he is a class act top athlete. Mm-hmm. From what I've seen is like because of the way he dresses sometimes, it's a little ostentatious, but I kind of love it. Uh, but he and so people can make snap judgments about that. Uh, but apparently he's just a really nice guy. Yeah, he he reaps confidence. He reeks confidence. Reeks. God, I can't say he words re- right. Reaps confidence. <laughs> but um. I will say during that entire Super Bowl, I was yelling at the TV for them to run the football more, but that's just me. When you got an arm like Burrow. We'll talk about uh, the effect of a team winning on the community that they come from in a later episode, because this does touch on that, and Tyler mentioned that. Um, But I will say nothing else. It was a great Super Bowl, and you missed it. And I want to punish you for that. I was flying. up. I was in the air. Yeah, I I still want to punish you for that, because I know there was like TV. My flight was delayed. Uh-huh. I know that there are other people on that plane probably watching the Super Bowl on their little phone or TV or something. No, no, no. Not yeah. a one. Uh-huh. Not right. a one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. News brief over. That was a long news brief. <laughs> 